Hi, this is finally the podcast from Michael Fertig. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Nancy Jacobson. Nancy, welcome. Good to be here. Nancy is also sometimes known as Nancy Jacobson Penn, but she mostly uses the name Nancy Jacobson. She's a legendary fundraiser for the Democratic Party. She was very involved with, among others, the Bill Clinton campaign, the Al Gore campaign, Evan Bayh, who was the former governor and senator from Indiana, ran for president. Uh, she's also married to Mark Penn, who's a famous pollster, a fixture in Democratic politics for many years, also an entrepreneur. I should mention briefly that he and I had a kind of almost accidental business relationship in 2018 when he when the firm that he runs bought a part of a company that I started. Nancy is a kind of consummate DC insider. She's also a longtime Democratic insider, also along with her husband, Mark. But something along the way changed, and Nancy decided to pursue a recentering of American politics. In 2010, she founded a group called No Labels, which describes itself at least sometimes, is putting the problem above politics and seeking bipartisan solutions to political problems. And for the last year or two, maybe longer, Nancy will tell us, No Labels has been preparing the groundwork for a possible presidential ticket, possibly a bipartisan ticket, maybe with a Democrat on top and a Republican for vice president, maybe reverse. No Labels has gotten on the ballot in many states, Nancy will tell us how many, and is getting a huge amount of attention, including from supporters who are cheering on the specific effort to offer an alternative to a Joe Biden and Donald Trump rematch. Support from people who are fed up with a two-party system that seems to favor extremes, but also some attention from opponents who say, sometimes in sober tones, that no labels will simply draft votes away from Biden and enhance the chance that Donald Trump is reelected. We're gonna spend a lot of time talking about no labels. Welcome, Nancy Jacobson. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Good to see you. First of all, it's a great pleasure. First of all, is there anything you'd like, I always give a chance to the guests, anything you'd like to amend or correct or edit or add to the biographical summary? This is your moment. There's no arrogance or gotchas. What What would you like to add, if anything? No, I, I think you did a, a, a great job okay. putting it all together and synthesizing everything. Great. What is No Labels and why does it need to exist? No Labels was kicked off in 2010 we had a convention that invited uh, citizens from all 50 states and they all came on their own dime to come together under the mantra no labels put labels aside to solve problems it was right after uh you know the the timing of passing the obama health care without a single republican vote we had never seen that before in our country a major social program uh, passed with, you know, without the other party. And, and we like, uh, and it caused a lot of consternation, right? Remember the Tea Party and the activists and going up to the Hill and just a lot of chaos and, and um, outrage. And the, the, the premise was we've, we've got to solve problems together. We've got to have two-party solutions, not one-party solutions. And that that um, kicked off then, you know, the Trump tax cuts with just, you know, Republican Party. And then the attempt um, in the last couple of years to do the Build Back Better just with one party. And really that type of governing never leads to sustainable change. So the, the thought was, how can we find a way to take the temperature down, bring our leaders together, 
to solve problems in a uh, two-party solution way. And so that's, you're, it's you're, been a movement. You're, a Demo you're, you're someone who has an unsurpassed democratic network. You're someone who has legendary access and capacity to fundraise. What do you say to the question, can't you just do this within the party? You do it inside the Democratic Party, make it more bipartisan. Someone else does it inside the Republican Party. Why does no labels have to exist? What do you say to that question? Well, listen, I have always been within the center of the Democratic Party ever since I started in politics, from uh -huh. Gary Hart to Al Gore yeah. to Bill Clinton to Evan Bayh to the DLC. It was always in the center. And... Um, there was always a worthy fight between the left and the center. And uh, the left had always said, uh, you know, they wanted to solve the problems just with one way, right? And, and on the Republican side, there's, there's uh, you know, extreme groups that they only want to solve it one way. They don't want to look for a two-party solution. So I was always part of the fight within the Democratic Party led by really Bill Clinton uh, you know, to understand that you, you had to work with the other side to achieve uh, lasting results. So it was, as I always, you know, the party, you know, the Bill Clinton party, uh, you know, did not maintain itself. I mean, the DLC that, that was um, contributed to his, his rise, you know, they, they sort of went away and there was nothing left in its place. So it had to Which be- Which the left has the power within the Democratic Party and the center left of which you were a part, the DLC was a part, Bill Clinton was a part, disappears. Is that the, the story? It, dis you it disappeared, right? And then there was, as with anything, you're an innovator, right? You all, Politics, you've got to innovate too. Mm. And so this was an innovation, understanding the left had truly taken over the party, mm. right? I mean, if you need any other uh, example, just look at the Build Back Better when Biden came in. Mm. You know, we, we know what that was. That was a deal. It, it's not widely publicized, but you can Google it, uh, that Bernie Sanders made before the election with Joe Biden, which mm. really then, uh, you know, birthed the uh, Build Back Better. So yes, that's right. And so the center, it, it, it really, everybody that was part of the center abandoned their posts, right? The DLC goes away and you had to evolve now. You had to understand there's a new marriage to be created, center right, center left. And that's then the genesis, uh, you know, when we founded the Problem Solvers Caucus. That, that was a unique idea to put Republican and Democrat together in their own little coalition. Uh, that was our unique idea that we birthed. It before, was we, before we leave this question, just asking you an expert, right? You're a seasoned pro. You're someone people have consulted in confidence and publicly on mission critical projects in politics for many years. The project of trying to get the Democratic Party to move back to the center, the project of trying to get a powerful center element, centrist element, the Bill Clinton element, as you describe it, back in the Democratic Party. Is that a lost cause now? I think it's a lost cause. Wow. <laughs> I, th wow. I think it's a lost cause. I mean, I, and I, you know, I also think the Republican Party is going through its own fracture, right? There, there's no, right, there's no leadership left in the Democratic Party, save, um, you know, you, you see on the Senate side, Cinema or Manchin, and in the House, Josh Gottheimer, Jared Golden, you know, Henry Cuellar, um, 
you know, it, they, it, it's that, like seven people, like, or five people or 10 people, whatever you're basically approximating. It's a tiny, tiny rump. Am I, am I mishearing you? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I wow. think that's right. So you've got to create a new marriage and, you know, the margins are small anyway, uh, in these Senate and House bodies. So, um, you know, if you could find this coalition that, you know, we've attempted to build, I mean, we, we named it the Problem Solvers Caucus, we built it, we matchmaked all those members, we then, you know, I think our best innovation was understanding those House uh, members never knew any senators, had no relations, we, we, we made- word, What is the Problem Solvers Caucus? A lot of our listeners will not have heard of it before. What is the Problem Solvers Caucus? Please. Right, so that was in 2011, we, uh, the, well, the Problem Solvers Caucus now is its own entity run by Congressman Josh Gottheimer, uh, and Brian Fitzpatrick, and it is the go-to group for bipartisan solutions in the U.S. House. I mean, there's no bipartisan work that gets done without, you know, it's... Famously, you hosted a, a, a kind of a Congress, of not a Congress, but a, a conference of these people to help push through some bipartisan legislation. Well, is that right? Listen, I think what we did is we we created the concept, we named it, we actually own the trademark for it, Problem Solver, uh, you know, so we, we matched it. I, I just sort of, all I'll say is, you know, we came up with an idea that there should be a bipartisan coalition caucus inside the House that truly uh, functions. So that was a novel idea. It was our idea. We innovated it. We matched them. And then really, we we made you know sure that Josh Gottheimer was the uh, chair of that group when he came to town as a freshman. And then we walked out of the room so these people could be proprietary. So you know we don't have uh, you know we're an outside group. We're not in those rooms at all. Those people are doing incredible work. The leaders there, the strong, courageous leaders within that body. So um, that's right. What so. If there's anything to add, because the sort of the absence, this hollowing out of the centrist part of the Democratic Party seems to be the, the push, and there's the pull over here, the bipartisan desire. Is there anything else that's wrong with the Democratic Party today, apart from this hollowing out of the centrist element, which was so long so important to people like you? Is there any other illness or ailment that you can characterize for us? You've lived this, you've worked in this field, you know these things, you have perspective. What else is the problem with the Democratic Party today? I don't know. I, there's, um, you know, th this is, it's, uh, I'm going to mention it, and I think in the coming, you know, months, maybe the people will hear more about it. So I'm not fully prepared to, to cite everything. But, um, you know, in this endeavor that, you know, we've, uh, you know, we have a project, and we'll get yep. to that, right, our insurance policy project. Yeah. In the midst of this project, I, I stumbled, and our groups have stumbled upon an interesting underbelly, uh, an underground that I, I didn't know existed before that really is, has been created by this Democratic Party. And it's, I, I'll mention the name to you and we'll see if you've even ever heard of it. Have you heard the word ever, Arabella? I've never heard, well, in the context of the Puritans who came over on the Arabella, uh, <laughs> the, the famous Arabella speech, yes, but no, I've never heard of it in the that's Democratic right. Party of today. What is it? Yeah, so that's interesting. And I, you know, I, breaking news here. What is the Arabella? Yeah. Well, it's a whole conglomerate and a whole enterprise where the true dark money, the billions of dollars, the foreign money, you know, it's where it's it's a sophisticated enterprise 
of hundreds of groups with undisclosed donors that manipulate and use um, use uh, uh, you know their tools and and, and all of that to uh, pressure the system from the left in particular it's all the left it's all the left and so you know you'll see it if you start looking it up you know there's a lot of controversy now with this Arabella you know the Arabella advisors sits at the top of the pyramid it's a for-profit entity run by a guy named Eric Kessler I think he's now being investigated for improper um, fees, you know, we're talking 200 million. These, this is epic numbers, billions. Arabella Advisors, is this correct? Right, Arabella Advisors. I'm looking at it now. Right, so this, you'll hear, I would imagine, in the months ahead, much more of this. But, you know, we have stumbled upon uh, this grouping of, of, you know, the groups, whatever they call. I mean, I've heard from few of our friends, uh, members in Congress, they, you know, they, uh, they call it the groups, and you really do nothing to antagonize these groups. You are, you are saying that there actually exists a secret cabal of left money led by this person or somehow led by this person, potentially Eric Kessler. And, and others. I think there's, and there's, others, and others. there's others. So, so the, there is a secret cabal, and it's somehow escaped notice for some years and they've been advocating for for what for business interests for left interests for what you know my sense is the leaders of the democratic party uh use this huge conglomerate to um you know decide what ideas live and what ideas die what 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 people live you know who lives and who dies right and we like uh, this candidate we don't like this candidate that's what you mean yeah or, right that's right i mean i just i saw last night you know one of our amazing stalwart uh leaders jared golden and congressman from maine uh you know he posts a you know his own story about this group that um you know, criticized his opposition to Biden's student loan forgiveness, and then they go after you, and then they they churn up the propaganda machine. You know, we're starting to understand many of the groups that are going after our insurance policy idea are the same groups that get funded by this conglomerate. So it is, this is a huge underbelly. It's an octopus, and um, very. You've encountered this. You've uncovered this in, in doing your 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 right. no labels efforts in doing your um, problem solvers caucus efforts this is yeah, not hard. not problem solvers I, I didn't know this whole enterprise existed until we started our insurance policy project right I mean then these forces you know we, we started understanding and connecting the dots to these forces uh, and so no I this had nothing to do with my work at, at all with asking you the funny question asking the funny question when you were part of the democratic fundraising literati and, and glitterati and superbness and elite were you accidentally part of such a such a group or Never. has something changed about the way these things happened since your days back then has something yeah. the last 10 years changed in your surmise or observation that the money is raised differently today than it used yeah. to be no, this is this is epic. That I've never ever encountered anything like this. I'd never knew about secret 
uh, secret enterprises that, that are so dark, you know, it's dirty dark money. This is dirt, you know, like there are stories, there's a Swiss billionaire, you know, that's at least uh, the one story I saw has given 50 million to this enterprise. You've heard you know, a story that a Swiss billionaire, not an American, has given 50 million US dollars. Yeah, and that's documented, that's documented. Documented to a group around this, the groups, whatever you may call them, that are trying to influence American politics on the left. That's the, that's the, yeah. doc, that, that's incredible. Yeah, no, there'll be more of this. I was just, I'd never known about this, but now we've connected the dots because we have all these adversaries, right? And you sort of, you know, we're starting to put the pieces together, right, uh, with all of this. So I had no idea I'd stumble into okay. this as we were doing our, our work. Just, to, you know, all we're doing with this, this new project is giving people the right for another choice. Uh, as, as you know, Michael, the, the people are supposed to have the power in a democracy, the people. And, uh, you know, but, the, but these now groups are trying to stop our ability to uh, offer the people another choice, which they, they, they deserve. They're, it's their has right. There come a time, has there come a time when you have perceived or imagined or observed that a similar set of groups exist on the right? I haven't you know maybe i you know i didn't know about this until i saw the the you know all of them uh you know these associated groups trying to shut us down i haven't seen it i i always uh i i've heard of you know we know of the coke uh conglomerate that's that's based you know a lot of brothers one of whom has since died k-o-c-h right but that's very above board like everybody's heard of them right Uh uh so i no i'm not aware i mean it doesn't mean that we can't uh maybe figure that out, but I'm not aware. I mean, this, this, whatever this is, this is unusual and unprecedented and at a, such a large scale, um, it's, it's breathtaking. Well, I will come back to that because it's, just, it's, it's an extraordinary assertion. Uh, by the way, uh, I've just Googled this fellow, Eric Kessler, and at least what appears to be his LinkedIn page suggests that he has stopped being affiliated with the Arabella advisors in some recent time, but I do not know him. Well, that's interesting because he yeah. is under investigation. I heard that a, oh about two weeks ago, so maybe he's left. But you know, um, well, I yeah. want to talk about a lot this a lot this a lot more. But you're under some time pressure today, so let's let's steer it back towards the the immediate project. In your own words, sort of building our way towards no labels and the insurance policy, as you say. But in your own words, what is wrong with Donald Trump, and why is he unfit to be president? I think the, the day that January 6th occurred uh, makes it so that he really should never, uh, she, he should never be president again and is not fit to be president again. I mean, January 6th, uh, you know, listen, elections are sacred in our country. The vote is sacred. And, you know, we, ha you know, that's what, you know, the, the Al Gore, and Joe Lieberman, who's been my mentor most of my career, I mean, that was a close election. You, you, just, you just have to have your honor and move on. That, that took a lot. Uh, you know, those are, that was honorable uh, behavior. And that's what we expect in leaders. You, you just, the minute you start contesting and, and rousing up people and, and trying to, uh, you know, stir this up, I mean, it's just irresponsible. It's it's what so un-American. I don't know what else to say. What? What would? He, what is the? What is the? So you have a cause for concern. What? Is, what do you think he would do if he were president, again? 
Donald Trump? No, I, I can't surmise that. I, okay. And I don't really want to, you know, those aren't questions I like to answer. But, you know, he is not fit to be the leader of the free world. Okay, He's very clear. Now, then why is the answer not Joe Biden? What's wrong with him? Is he fit to be president? Why is he not the guy you'd get behind and say, okay, let's help him defeat yeah. Donald Trump? What's the problem with Joe Biden? And how I will answer it, how I always answer it, because I would never, uh, you know, it's not what we think, what I think, it doesn't matter. It's what the people of this country think. And the people of this country, you know, don't want him as their choice. So that's all I know. And, Case closed. Uh, you have concluded that Joe Biden will not win, and therefore, therefore, you need to do something about it. Is that is that the? I'm trying to distill it. Is that fair, or is that not a fair characterization? I mean, I I, I think the first the the big premise is uh, the people of this country want another choice, and so wherever that takes uh, this election, I, I think it's I think it could be very likely that if it was a, a, a matchup, one on one, he would not win. And, and I Trump think would win instead of that's, Biden. That's right. Oh, wow. Is Kamala Harris the problem? Or is she, part, is she an asset to the Biden ticket? Or is she a no. liability? And again, it, it's, I'll never, I don't like to be giving my own opinion. I can just follow. Uh, she is the most unpopular vice president in our history. So I'll just, you know, so you can surmise what you want to surmise. But, you know, this is, this is the world we're looking at. And, uh, and with that, all these people in this country seem to want another choice. So all we're doing, we're not running a campaign, we will not run a campaign. We are just allowing, uh, doing a service, I think, to the people of this country to provide a ballot so that they can have another choice. Okay, they seem to want it. it. So let's talk about it. The insurance, what is the insurance policy and how is it that no labels is getting on the ballot and how is it that no labels can provide that platform without running the campaign in other words can what first of all what is the insurance policy as you say when will it come into effect what are the mechanisms give us give us your characterization of it the floor is yours Nancy okay. Jacobson no limits so the insurance policy is a concept that we have devised that should we uh, come after Super Tuesday March 5th uh, the people of this country the majority of people of this country do not want the choices that will seem to uh, cons consolidate by them because we, we will wait till then. We want to be in a position to offer a ballot line to a unity ticket, a Republican and Democrat that would run together to finally reset this country, turn a page, and you know heal heal the wounds and 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 get this country united again. We, if the people of this country we come after Super Tuesday and maybe Florida that's on March 19th and they are excited uh, and there's not an opening and people want the choices we are going to stand down we, we we've committed to that we, we will, How will you know if the people want the choices it will be very evident and clear like it is now right now you can look at any poll that anybody runs in this country it won't be our own polling it will be you know all the all the polls of this country uh and you can see that they don't want the choices now so okay, it's not so, so it's not a question of who wins the primary or how popular trump is among republican voters or who wins the primary which is biden as a foregone conclusion or whether the democratic party want the primary voters want biden it's a question of the national 
polling that you will consult. You'll look at the national polling and you will, with your team, decide whether the national polling is hostile towards, hostile enough towards Biden and Trump, unhappy right. enough with Biden and Trump that you will then field another. Yeah, and all we'll do is offer the ballot line. The minute that happens, we get out of the way and, uh, you know, see if there's people that are willing to. Uh, how do to they get chosen? How does the no labels ticket without your influence or with your influence? How does the three or four people, one people, one person, two people, two tickets, two competitors? Is there a primary? How does, how does the no labels ticket get chosen and populated on those ballots that you have worked so hard to get on? So we're about two months away from a formal announcement. We are thinking about this right now. That's probably one of the most important decisions we make: is how does that ticket get chosen? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, what are I, some options? What are some options? Because you so, haven't reached a conclusion. Let's acknowledge that you just said right. you're still working on it. What are some of the sample options that you guys consider? And obviously, we understand that you're not signaling one or the other. But what are some sample options that you would consider? So I think there's there's probably three options, right? Okay. One, a very tight group of 15 distinguished leaders make the selection. I, okay. I, I personally, I don't like that idea. Okay. Uh, middle option, Two. We, regardless, we're, we'll be in Dallas uh, with 2,000 people, April 14, 15, to, for our convention. You're gonna so, have a convention. We're gonna have a convention. We're gonna have a gathering of the common sense majority. And the thought would be the leaders uh, get to that stage and are selected by the leaders and the delegates and the electors and the people in that room. So, so you have a, a one-day primary kind of thing. That's right. Okay. One that's nation, two. one day, one ticket. Right. So that, that could be uh, an option. And then number three, we know where the 77 million uh, unity voters are because we've we've modeled and 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 understand exactly where they are and we we open it up to all of them so it's sort of you know an online vote could be an online vote that's right could and be you somehow reach the 77 million people you've identified through your research you somehow reach them and say you know over the next number of days and without interference by Russian bots we are going to choose a candidate among these three, four, five, six people, something like that. That's right. Wow. So let me just ask you, you know, you've heard three different options, right? What, what seems to resonate with you? Um, I think that your choice that sort of the elders choose the person, your, your, your reluctance to get behind that mechanism sounds correct. I think it'll sound, uh, come across correctly or incorrectly, it'll come across as kind of, uh, from on high, um, but the music you're playing is, I'm having dissonance. The dissonance I have, which may or may not make sense to you, but the dissonance I have when I listen to you is somehow No Labels is <clears throat> putting together the ballot, putting together the, the, the platform of, the, of the being on the ballot, the status of access to the ballot, ballot access. Um, and also having a convention and convening the potential candidates most likely, but then somehow disavowing an interest in the campaign, that doesn't sound plausible to me. So I, I think you're gonna have a tricky time. This, you're asking for my immediate reaction. You and I have never talked about this for, before, for the record. We never have. For our listeners, we've never talked about it, so I'm giving you my reaction in good faith in real time. It does not sound true to me 
that you can both be the entire house and not play the game. It sounds true to me that you can set it up and then you have to follow on with the campaign and you are funding the thing and you are involved and you can't be arm's length from that. Um, that's my main reaction from my kishkis, my, my guts. This is a yeah. classic Nancy Jacobson moment, everyone. I just wanted you to know she's constantly getting phone calls when you're talking to her. Sometimes she picks up, sometimes she doesn't. So today is a good time. She's not picking yeah. up. Thank you I'm for not picking up. up. So um, that's my reaction, Nancy, to give you my, my real-time yeah. reaction. That's the best I can do right now. Yeah. But no, I understand. Listen, obviously, allies and people will go on into other entities, uh, but no labels as a C4 will never be running a campaign. Uh, you know, it'll exist and it'll be there. But if this were to happen, I'm sure many people that are part of the movement will go into. A C4 you know, is a tax status that would prohibit you from doing. Right. We'd never. Thing. That's right. That's right. So uh, that's the big decision that we need to make. And we are consulting every which way, uh, people in our movement, focus groups, whatever it is, because that, that's a key decision. And, and part of this is we've got to do it in a way that builds trust back with people, right? Um, and I think is the no labels here to stay. Is no labels here to stay? Do you think that it should last beyond this cycle, this presidential cycle, or is it an extremely important, in your opinion, insurance policy for this historically important um, moment. I, I believe that Donald, I've, I've said this to you before, um, my listeners know I believe Donald Trump is the most dangerous individual in the United States because he's so self-involved and willing to do kind of anything to stay in office and for basically no other reason. I don't think his policies are extraordinarily bad or extraordinarily um, out, of, out, of, out of whack. Uh, on most measures compared to other Republicans that slay, Republicans in, in name. But his, his self-involvement is historic and epic in proportion and dangerous, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Now, having said that, do you think that no labels ought to exist beyond this, this cycle and fix this increasing uh, polarization towards the edges of the parties? Or do you think that you know, it's one shot, or do you think you just, you'll figure that out later, which is kind of the, the political answer, the diplomatic answer. What, what's your current feeling? Yeah, I mean, we've always felt no, no labels will stay around until it's not needed anymore. Our hope is, we, you know, it, wouldn't it be a great thing if Congress could just do what it's supposed to do and work together and solve problems and, and you know, have no need for an outside group pushing them? We're the only group in the United States pushing our leaders to work together, right? I mean, nobody else does that. Every other group is with one side or the other. Uh, so my hope would be, uh, you know, it, it comes a point that we don't need this push from the outside anymore. That would be a great thing. But until that, if, you know, until we don't need it, I think we've got to be there and, and, you know, not abandon our posts. Ding, 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 ding. That is a real bell. That is not my voice. It is now time for the speed round. Nancy, here we go. Changing the mood a bit. Bagels or Bialis? Nancy Jacobson, ba bagels or Bialis? Bagels. Locks or Gravlocks? Locks. Herring with cream sauce or without cream sauce? No herring. Oh, wow. False. That is incorrect. That is not your preference. Rye bread or pumpernickel bread, Nancy? Rye bread. Great answer. Cream cheese with or without chives? With. Interesting. Very, very New York type answer. I appreciate that. On hot dogs, sauerkraut or relish? Relish. Passover or Rosh Hashanah? Nancy Jacobson. Passover or Rosh Hashanah? Passover. Okay. Both food holidays, let's say, but I understand. 
Genesis or Exodus, Nancy Jacobson? Exodus. Okay, very serious. Will Donald Trump be convicted on any of the current four sets of charges or 91 individual charges that have now, uh, on which he's now been indicted? Will he be convicted? I think so. Will he serve jail time? Uh, House arrest, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Someone else has said that recently um, to me on this podcast. Will Donald Trump throw any of his family under the bus to avoid conviction or seek to avoid conviction? Possibly. Okay. All right. Let's go back in time um, to the extent that you're willing. What happened, to the extent you're willing to talk about it, and if you don't want to, that's fine. What happened, if anything? It is my impression that at some point in time, you decided that you didn't really want to be as close to the Clintons as you had been. You did not want to be as supportive of the Clintons as you had been. I don't think you were involved with Hillary Clinton's campaign. As, as no, one I, I, was. I was. You were. You were. Okay. Am I am I wrong in my impression? What did you? Are you still close with them, or did you not make a break with them? Is that misinformation? Am I operating under a misapprehension, or is my observation correct? And if and what changed, if anything, that you're willing to share? Yeah, that's so interesting. So I'm speaking as myself, right? Yes, yourself. Well, myself, I was the third person hired by Bill Clinton in 1991. I ran the Mid-Atlantic, I ran the inaugural fundraising, the job I wanted was finance director of the party. I worked with Hillary Clinton uh, when she was running for Senate. I didn't work as, uh, I I helped raise money uh, there. Uh, And then um, when she ran for president, I did fundraising and created this whole women's network. So I've never, I've had the utmost respect and admiration. I mean, to me, you know, out of all the people that I've worked for, I mean, Bill Clinton was a one of a kind uh, leader mm. that I am so it, what what makes me sad is that we didn't uh, figure out the you know, the centrist movement didn't figure out how to keep that going, right? Because his politics is the no labels politics. I mean, so, uh, you know, have he's, they joined or supported no labels? No, I, I, you know, I haven't spoken to. I, I, I'm not even aware of it. You know, there's no bad anything. It's you know, you, these are people at the highest of levels. I, you know, it's not like I would be kibitzing uh, with them. But to me, this is an extension, in some ways, of his of his politics. Uh, you know, of his politics. And then Hillary Clinton is a was an amazing women leader. Uh, she, you know, she broke through so many walls, right? And I, I can only imagine what it was like to have all the incoming uh, and be able to be such a trailblazer with um, running in the way that she did for president. And, and listen, there's nobody smarter, uh, more knowledgeable, uh, knows every issue inside and out. I mean, I've just, I mean, just, you know, I can't say enough good things, but all I know is I'm on a mission. You know, uh, I don't think they would ever, you know, listen, it's very hard for any Democrat right now to come to this because everybody, you know, uh, will pay homage and be, you know, we have a sitting Democratic president. So what I'm doing, I'm a disruptor, right? I mean, that's what this movement is. It's highly disruptive. And you don't, 
You don't see that in politics a lot. There's no innovation in politics. What we're doing right now is we're innovating. You know, being able to have a credible third-party line is innovation. Being able to think outside the box and innovate a convention or a nominating process is innovation. This is the last sector in the United States of America that has not been innovated in so in so long. Are they, are they, you're receiving criticism such as you are, some support for sure, but also some criticism from the left. Are you also receiving criticism in the same volume from the right? If there is the criticism. They're, I'm sure, uh, looking on very happily that, that the Democrats are taking us apart now. The minute the Republican Party unifies uh, around Donald Trump, you know, he will mock us, berate us, demean us. I mean, he'll be going after us. That you know, going uh, after no labels. Going after no labels. He's he's yeah. gonna you know sort of call it you know whatever he'll do to disparage it and demean it. So we know it's coming, but you can't expect they're not going to do this now. They have bigger fish to fry. They've got to figure out who's the nominee, and it, you know, if it's him, I'm sure he'll disparage us and demean us on a continual basis. Asking so, you concretely. Asking you concretely. Just. To be clear, does it ever worry you that that no labels is going to be a spoiler for Biden? Uh, I know we will not. I know that every single leader around this, every single uh, funder around, everybody around this. That's why it's it's sort of you know you just shrug off these uh, little groups that that um, call us a spoiler. The people don't believe that. But no, we will never do that. And by the way, if this. Uh, and if this concept doesn't shoot off like a rocket April 15th when we get to Dallas, and if, if we realize in a couple of months that uh, this just fell flat on its face, I don't think that will happen, uh, but if it did, we have until the end of July to pull it down. And I was just speaking to one of our leaders this morning, I mean, you know, we'll pull it down. So, and, and you, we will. Uh, nobody is going to do anything to spoil it either way, right? We're just not going to do it. And so we, it's, it's not that these things haven't been thought through. You can understand a person like Joe Lieberman and Jay Nixon and all these seasoned people. This is methodically done, and nobody's going to be reckless. The, one of the reasons you're confident is that you have done a lot of research, I believe, that shows that you would probably not be a spoiler. Is that correct? Absolutely. That, that was the whole point. The, the, the numbers we see now, Tell everybody. Us yeah, tells about that. For, for well, us. you know, it, it started well over a year and a half ago. We did a huge, um, you know, polling exercise, 25,000 people, all 50 states. We coupled that with modeling. And so we dissected it. And the numbers we saw of citizens in this country at that point, before anybody knew who was running, uh, they don't like Trump, they don't like Biden, they're open to an independent moderate. It was at 59%. Never in the history of polling have you seen numbers of people being discontent in this way. And that's, you know, that's why we sort of opened this playbook, because it was, it was startling. I mean, just startling. And then these numbers are continuing to grow. So, listen, we get to Dallas. I will believe that we'll the people will decide a credible choice. And what, you know, and I, when I started this, I heard from people close to the White House, they said they will do whatever they can to make sure this convention doesn't happen. Because I think, listen, why do you think all these people are so hysterical? What could they do? I don't know, but you know, I won't put anything uh, past this gr the, the, the groups here. And now that we know that this whole Arabella, the word, the word anything is really big. What do you mean you put? What the word anything is very big? What 
what should we be worried about? I, mean, what are we I, I don't, about? I, you know, I don't know. We, uh, you know, every day we live here is a day, you know, is a successful day. Uh, you know, they are, they are ginning up all of this uh, fear. They're fear mongering that we're going to be a spoiler based on, uh, I don't know what. And, you know, they're going to, they're trying their dead level best. Now, I know once you uh, put candidates out, then people will have a real choice. And that, they just, they don't want that to happen because I think they see what we see. If there's, this isn't Jill Stein candidate, right? She got 1%. Right. This right. isn't she, Ralph Nader. She was a in a couple of states, right? Wisconsin. Right. Nobody's seen this before. The, the only time we've seen anything close and he was—he was not uh, a practice politician. Ross Perot was Ross Perot, and you know, we we put out the number. You know, you know, anything we put out, I think they spend their days trying to. You know, they just follow us day by day. They're not—they're just reacting. Uh, we put out the number thirty. He had thirty-nine percent in June before the November election. Bush had 31% and Clinton had 25 Now, why is that so important? Why was that a, a number so important? Because we all know that every, and that, and I hope, you know, it's interesting, I was in the West this past, last week, and even the smartest people didn't know this, so I'm going to share this with you. Please do. On the presidential uh, ticket, on the presidential election, every single state except Nebraska and Maine in, in a three-way contest, in a two-way contest, the candidate that gets the most votes, just the bigger slice of the pie, doesn't, it's not a majority. You don't have the to get the plurality. Right, the plurality, the just the most votes takes every single electoral vote. It yeah, does not. It there are a couple of states right. where it's not true, but basically it's true. Just two, yeah. right? So that's why when you see Ross Perot at 39, he would have won every single electoral vote, you know, all of those states. He would have won. And that's why that number in June is important. We're going to have to get used to new numbers. It's not going to look like 49-51, right? It's going to look like, you know, in the 30s, uh, you know. And I, I think the fear is, let's say this ticket comes out. Nobody wants these two other candidates. The ticket reveals itself. Uh, I, I would imagine the press is going to, um, you know, be looking closely at this and probably, uh, you know, looking closely at it. What happens if this ticket does better than than Biden Harris? What happens if you start seeing numbers because they'll start it very soon within two months that they're better and that the Biden Harris numbers are not as good? You know, I mean, that's that would be a problem. But listen, this. Everybody that's part of this enterprise will has committed no spoiling to either, and the ability to take the ballot down by July, end of July. Okay, Nancy Jacobson, we're running into time. What else would you like us to hear or know, and how can we learn more about it? I guess what I'd say, and I really appreciate this time with you, and it's uh, you've been such an amazing innovator in your career. Um, I'd just say this, why can't we as Americans think big and do big in politics? Why are we running on fear? Why, you know, why would we allow, if we had a better alternative, if we need to offer the ballot line, and that's ultimately what this nation wants, I, I actually believe the American people 
will operate on hope and not fear and look at a ticket that is a unity ticket as an opportunity to reset and reclaim our country and, and stop the fracturing and the divisiveness and the anger that now permeates it. And I, I just believe in the American people so strongly that if that ticket gets a chance to breathe, if the public wants it, uh, and that will be a hopeful, hopeful day for this country. And I, I believe in America. Well, what a hopeful message on which to end and characteristic of you, positive and substantive as always. Nancy Jacobson, thank you very much for joining. And for our listeners, this has been an episode of Finally. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And we're out. Okay, great. How was that for you?